0: Alright, so if you want to turn the tap with me over to James chapter 3, that's where we're going to be today. Um, James chapter 3 is our continuation through this series of James faith works. And today um, we're going to be talking about this understanding of controlling the tongue, taming the tongue. (laughs) Kind of an interesting one. Amen. Same here. Um, I just want to open kind of with a story uh, of... uh, my youth I was uh, I've always been athletic and I've always enjoyed sports. Um, but my eighth grade year is the first or I guess sorry, yeah, eighth grade year is the first year that I decided to play football. I was a eighth grader, I was small. I was smaller than you, Austin. I was shorter, I was thinner, I was I was tiny. I was just a really small kid and for whatever reason they put me in center. Which is not a small man's position. It's supposed to be a big man's position, it's supposed to block. So I played center, and we were awful. Uh, I don't. We, we won a few times, but we were awful. We lost left and right. But I remember having fun, and I remember my coaches being encouraging. They, they would say, good job, or do this, or you did good here, good hit. Um, I remember getting knocked on my back all the time. I was excited. I was fun. When I uh, promoted and went to high school my freshman year, I joined the freshman football team. And so it was kind of this, like you before, actually it was this time of year. Um, I got to go and start doing football camp. I don't know if anybody's been in like a summer camp for sports. So we did like the pre, it was the week before school. A lot of conditioning, it was hundred and some degrees outside. And we are sweating and exhausted. We got all our gear, got, I remember getting my helmet and my pads and I just I felt Bigger, I felt so much bigger, and it I was a year older, so I was a little bit bigger, but I was still a small kid. I really didn't grow up until like my senior year, freshman year of college. I really was like years below. My whole high school life was small. I mean, I wasn't small. I was chubby the whole time too. So there's that. But it's the same thing. I wanted to play like linebacker or fullback. I wanted to like be involved in the plays, but I was small, and I, um, I was. I just wasn't um, I wasn't what the freshman football coaches were looking for but they encouraged me and so we had these things called morning workouts I don't know if anybody's been a part of that in sport where you show up before school you hit the gym it wasn't mandatory but I showed up to that every so often and my coaches every time that I showed up they, they noticed me and like, yeah good job job I'm glad you're here and those words were super encouraging I was excited about halfway through the season, though, I told my freshman football coaches, hey, it's my grandparents' 50th anniversary. That only happens once, right? If you hit 50, 50 years, that's awesome, but it's such an achievement. And so it's my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, and we were going to go to Colorado to see them. A rule that my coach had established at the very beginning of the season was if you missed a practice, you didn't play the next game. And every practice you missed is how many games that you were going to miss. We only played once a week on Thursdays. And so, like, if you missed the Tuesday, you'd miss the next game. Or if you missed the Friday practice after the game, you'd miss the next week's game. It was set in stone and we knew it. But I remember my, my coach telling me, I'm like, Coach, I'm not going to be here for the game. And I'm going to be gone Friday as well. And I'll be back Monday for practice. And I remember him telling me, like, to my face, like, this little 14-year-old freshman, and this big old man who's like, he's, shredded, he's jacked, he can, he can bench press three to 15 pounds, he like, shaves his arms to like, make his muscles look bigger, he's a weird dude. He looks at me and he's like, you know what that means, right? It means that you're not dedicated, it means that you're not committed, it means that you don't care about this team. you I go, coach is going to my grandparents' 50th, 5-0 anniversary. He goes, I know, but you're missing a game of practice, so you know what that means, right? Yeah, I guess that means I have to miss next week's game, and I kind of bartered like but I'm already missing the game So like he's like nope you can't play next week So I knew I was missing that game. We went out a wonderful vacation the next week I knew I was sitting so I dressed got ready for my game, and I sat on the sidelines the whole day I worked hard in practice and my parents started ignoring me didn't didn't talk to me didn't give me feedback The next game came and I I sat again Next week came i sat again and i sat again and the rest of the season i sat didn't play me i played d end i wasn't a very impact player again i was super small and there was like probably 30 or 40 freshmen so there's a lot of people to go around and get game time anyways but he played the same probably 20 players all the time because they were the bigger the stronger the faster kids In that one conversation, that one moment that I had with my coach there forever changed the trajectory of my life at that point in time. And I'm not saying that today I'm still crying over my coach telling me that I wasn't committed, but I never played football again. I never wanted to play as a sophomore, freshman, or junior. In fact I never even went and played high school sports. I quit. I just did show choir, I just played video games, I just did school. And it wasn't until my senior year that I actually just decided out of a whim, like literally the week before season started to go and do wrestling and I jumped on the wrestling team and made varsity right away and thinking back it's silly because I was big and I was strong as towards the end of my career, career, <laughs> but I let this one person's small words, this one person's opinion change my thought and my life in high school because I valued what he said, and this small thing, the tongue, right, the words out of his mouth, forever changed who I was. And I tell you this story, not to make you look like pat me on the back, it's going to be okay, Trevor, maybe you can play adult tackle football one day. I play <laughs> hockey all the time. Uh, I've been playing hockey for like six, seven years now, and I've loved it. I'm good at it. Uh, it's not a sob story that I tell you to make you feel bad about me. It's, it's a story that I tell you. Because think about it in, in, in your circumstances or where you're at. Have you either been, been maybe the victim of a circumstance where someone has said something to you that has forever changed your life because they've said it negatively or they've said it uh, they've said something mean or inappropriate and it's just it's hurt you, or or maybe and I've been in this situation as well. Maybe you're the person who said something and later you understand what you say and you kind of regret it. The tongue is a very powerful device. That we don't realize has as much power as as it does. And James, here in chapter 3, he does. What is it? Their own words. Absolutely. And James, right here, talks about it. So let's read it. Let's just read through the scripture together, and then we'll jump into it, break it down a little bit. James chapter 3, starting right at verse 1. We're just going to go to 12. And it says this from the New Living Control the Tongue. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for, we could, for if we could control our own tongues, we would be perfect, and we could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever it wants by means of a small bit within its mouth, and the small rudder on a huge ship makes it turn whichever direction the pilot chooses to go, even if the winds are super strong. In the same way, the tongue is such a small thing that it can make grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. And the tongue is like a flame on fire. It's whole, it's, it is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set the whole life on fire, for it set fire by hell itself. People can tame all types of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and curses can both come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce both olives or the grapevine produce figs? No, you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. And James is using a lot of metaphors there and a lot of parables in this kind of description of understanding and controlling the tongue. Um, but this verse is uh, often taken, not necessarily out of context, but it's it's often dumbed down and simplified. When I was a kid, when this verse was mentioned or read to me uh, by, by my my mom, my children's pastor, my youth pastor, this was the verse that it was used to say: "Don't say bad words, right? Don't cuss. Don't say." Uh, and think about any—I don't want to—I don't want to say any, obviously, but any of the bad words that we have in our society today. Don't say bad words because this is what it says in James chapter three. And I—I I don't want to say disagree. That's not what I'm saying. I agree that that this here is is talking about your language, your speech. Uh, but there's more here because I, I actually talked about this with my youth students a couple of years ago. Um, replacement words. Um, it's darn instead of or um, heck instead of whatever. A frick instead of, you know, we all have the replacement words. And it, it's funny because, I mean, you can even think about even less worse replacement words. Fiddlesticks. I don't know if anybody's heard that one, you know? Um, what are other. Exactly. That's it is. It's actually a game, too, fiddlesticks. Um, but, like, there's these, these words that we replace because, well, the Bible and my mom have told me not to say bad words because of James chapter 3. So I'm not going to cuss. But we're so willing to just replace the cuss, the American cuss word, with just a replacement word. Well, I think that's maybe where we get it messed up. Is
1: we try to simplify it too much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't think he was speaking of the F word, the B word, all the other.
0: They weren't even around know, back then, technically, the American words, right. right?
1: It's, I think he was speaking more of uh, not using words in a negative harsh connotations in yeah. that you know i mean because you could you could very easily go i love you i love you, you know? i it's say same the same, i said the same thing it just changed my tone a bit yeah. and so it became two completely different meanings from the exact same phrase yeah it's like when somebody says like i've heard somebody say sarcastically Oh, you're cute. Yeah. But it's like yeah. Yeah. or 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 something bad happened, or you, you're too bad it like, oh that's wonderful. <laughs> it's like, no, it's yeah. not wonderful, but you're saying it in the opposite connotation
0: sure. of it. And hey, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should I my words here is not that okay, I am allowing cussing now because well, this isn't talking about cussing. This, this verse is so much more. It is talking about controlling your tongue in every aspect. And like exactly what you guys are saying. And the, the way we say things? Let's look at verse 5 again. It says this. That in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Uh, James here is already comparing this small part of our body, this tongue, which is actually like one of the stronger muscles in the body like our heart's obviously like the strongest muscle it's pumping blood all the time but your tongue is like super strong the I way agree, that it has the
1: other way around
0: you think that a st- the tongue serve on the heart
1: the tongue is actually the strongest muscle I think it's I think
0: the heart is the strongest muscle because it's constantly working all the time and then the it's, tongue I don't know I'm not a doctor we can ask Michelle later. Say, the, the later 500 pounds with their tongue. I See, I believe it, yeah. The the tongue is a massively strong muscle within our body. The, the, the strongest muscle that you to Google it. is the
1: masseter. Yeah, yeah, it's the masseter, the one in it. your mouth, and then it's. Oh, you're right, I'm wrong. No, it's not the tongue, it's
0: the masseter, is which is part of jaw. part of your jaw. I it's still within the mouth. So it's still within the mouth, right? So this, this small okay. part of our body, Kirsten, wait. That's the bone. This small part of our body, right? It's it's really, it's not huge. I mean, we're going to talk physiologically. It's not this big part compared, compared to our hands or our feet or our, our you know, quads. It's the smaller part, but it's, it's so big it can do great and grand things um, just like a boat rudder. You think about like a, a Cruise ship the rudder is still big on a cruise ship right It's bigger than a human body, but in comparison to the ship It's this small small thing. It, it's the same as the bit within a horse's mouth is what James is saying this small little piece of, uh, of You know wood leather or or metal now I don't know exactly what they make with it goes into the horses the donkey's mouth And it can help steer it into the direction that it needs to go. It's such a small piece that controls it and James is, is comparing all of these small insignificant things to our tongue and that our tongue has this ability to both encourage and bless and worship or tear down and start a fire I mean think about um, I don't know if a couple, couple of years ago now on the way up to Prescott you could see um, when you're going up and you hit like sunset the sunset peak Sunset point. Sunset point yeah that whole grassland was burnt down it was all on fire, and it was, all, it was just a couple of years ago now. And all of that started because of a simple, small spark. It wasn't somebody threw a huge Molotov cocktail, or someone came in with a flame filler. It was, I don't remember exactly, maybe it was either a lightning strike, or literally sparks from the chains off of a car.
1: The, the chains hitting It's very
0: popular Even just a small little, the, the butt end of a cigarette goes or out. Even and they burnt they down. the person that ashes in their the
1: ashes of their cigarette in their ashtray in yeah. the car. Yeah. But they got their window cracked down a little bit, and that wind catches it and flakes a spark off the battery, yeah. and they didn't even realize it happened. Yeah. yeah. That a awesome. That happens a lot. I
0: And so there's all this this small, insignificant stuff that has grave consequence to our physical world here. And so James is is talking about this controlling the tongue, this taming of the tongue, because of the same implications, both in our world, to yourself, to individuals. I mean, we were already just mentioning it, the way that you even speak to somebody. Like, I love you. So caring and enduring are, I, I love you. saying it in spite or or you know the 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 compliment that's not the compliment right or the or the any any of the things and then it, it can get even worse to where like all of that is very like in speech based but you can literally curse to somebody. You know, may God smite you. Oh powerful or I hate you or or all of the mean and horrible things you don't deserve to live. Or because of your race, creed religion or sex you don't and and this tongue that has it's again this small part has such power and james is james is very adamant about this and he's he doesn't put this in for no reason you think about what we've built up to this point he talks about our faith and endurance and and growing and being strong and he talks about uh and we didn't read it but i hope you guys did this warning of prejudice and how you're not supposed to be prejudiced against people and i like what we talked about last week your faith and deeds and having faith is great and faith alone saves you but because you have faith it should inspire you to do good things and once you get to this point like james here puts it in the middle of this this whole text on purpose because once you're getting into this walk into this faith when you're starting to do things it is very important that you begin to understand controlling your tongue because you can be Professing to be a Christian and worshiping God on Sunday, but then when Monday comes, what are you saying to people? What are you talking about? Here? Oh, are you slowpoke? <laughs> Seriously, even as simple as something that no one else would hear because you're alone on the U.S. 60 freeway driving 75 miles an hour and you're cursing to other people, "Get out of the road!" or "Why'd you cut me off?" It transforms you, and it begins to to change who you are. And, and it talks about here at, at, towards the end and so verse 10 it says and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth surely my brothers and sisters this is not right for a fresh spring and a salty spring cannot exist at the same time explaining this what, and it's interesting here you think about all of the fresh water streams that eventually end into salt water areas does the water become fresh because the fresh water is hitting it or the entirety of the water becomes salty. It
1: right. was
0: that. They go <laughs> <laughs> you know, negative
1: times negative equals positive. The two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> so, but you know, out. it's like the negative will make a positive <laughs> in the negative, or reduce qualities. the amount of positive. When Sadie yep. was younger, I did.
0: it all out and try to put it back in. Nearly impossible. You maybe get a little bit of stuff back in. But once it's out there, it's out there. And I think one thing that James probably didn't know or have the foresight to think about is our word and speech online. And I say this not directed to anybody in particular because I've also been a guilty party in this, but the way that we speak, quote unquote, to people online is just as important, friends. The way that we converse over text, over uh, anonymous areas, when you are commenting on a thread on Facebook about some political discourse or something that's happening in the world, yes, you can completely and utterly disagree and still be friends. You can completely disagree and still be nice. We need to be very careful about what we say online to people, both known and unknown, and and know that the words that you put out online is a representation of not only who you are, but of Christ. And if we are professing that yes, I believe in Jesus and I am I'm a part of this, and you let people know that I'm a Christ follower, and then turn around and say, oh damn you because you're a this, that, or the other, or you're affiliated with that party or this party, or you have this job or that job," and you start to say these horrible, mean things to them because of whatever, and you don't you don't think anything of it because you sit the words out and you don't feel anything. But you don't get to see the reaction. You don't get to see how they're interpreting your words. And sometimes you're like being sarcastic just being silly. I don't really mean what I'm saying here over text or over Facebook or whatever. That kind of reminds
1: me of a wise old Indian told me once uh, that all arrows hit their mark. So. If you're saying the most god-awful bad thing about somebody, they're nowhere to be nowhere around to be hearing it and the person you're talking to has the same viewpoint of that person. You're both saying negative things. That energy of that negative thought and speech is an arrow that will travel out and hit its mark no matter where it is in the world. Mm-hmm. And we are all one. Energy is infinitely connected. It's like adding the salt to the water. You can't add something without it changing what's going on. And you can't take oh. it back once you put it in. Yeah.
0: Well emotional seeds are even if human, so you
1: God knows exactly. And the the devil's sitting there listening to your words too and going, oh yeah, I can do something with that negativity they're throwing out. Thanks for the fuel, dude. (laughs) And God's going, oh, not again. I like I had a therapist one time. So it's like, start writing down your self-speech. The things you say just when you're talking to yourself. And I tell you, that's an exercise that will really bend your mind up. <laughs> I'm
0: still not quite sure how I feel about you introducing me
1: to that one on me. What? Oh, the writing yourself talk? That, well, if you stop and think about when well, we stop and listen to what we're saying to ourselves, some of those things that we say to ourselves if we were to take and put those exact same words that we're using against ourselves out of our own mouth right. and put them in somebody else's mouth, we'd probably punch them out. Right. You know, 100%. I was sitting there going, oh, speech. was stupid days.
0: blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, but if somebody else called me stupid, I'm probably going to deck up. I hear you. I've been there where my self-speech, I haven't realized has been so negative to myself until I've made myself aware of my speech now James is talking about that here in this this controlling the tongue is in all aspects and all things right and so we must learn to do good and 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 tame our tongues for we can't tame them and and James says that we we can't tame them they are an uncontrollable full of poison the only thing that can contain them is Christ alone we can try our best we can do the self-help we can uh, I mean cut our own tongue off right we can try everything we want but it's until Christ comes in and begins to change the tongue is when the change fully comes in. It reminds me of our theme verse, the verse that our church has oh, kind of helped hold on to. Yeah, I, I believe yeah, so. Yeah. That's
1: always where I get caught up in a lot of these things of, you know, you can't control this, you can't control that, really. but yet you need to. Okay. Yeah. How, if if I need to, then tell me how to do it. I think I'll it's, be glad to do it
0: I, if I know how. I believe it's through Christ and Christ alone. That He is the one who contains our time.
1: Which makes one of the prayer things we have in our house
0: is, is if you can't control it, then you should keep it. And it reminds me of our theme verse, the verse that our church holds holds on to, it's John 13, 34, 35, says this, a new command I give to you, and maybe replace the, the eyes here, like when it's talking about you, replace it with just your name, and this is Christ speaking to you, Jesus says this, a new command I give to you, Trevor, love one another, as I, Jesus, have loved you, Trevor, so that you may love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. And I think it's through Christ alone, and through His love for us, that we can begin to change and tame the tongue. I think that's what James is trying to tell us. Earlier. So, um, as I'm understanding right, if Christ is the one that can do that, then basically what we need to be doing is praying and doing and, and putting all of our efforts into loving God and loving our neighbor like we were commanded to do. Yeah. So let's let's talk about it. What